Good morning, it's a Thursday, and you have found Kale and Company Live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. 14.50 on the AM dial, 101.9 FM in Manchester and beyond. And, of course, streaming around the world and around the clock at nhtalkradio.com. We would like to inform you that uh, our 103.9 FM signal is temporarily off the air in order to do some repairs to our transmitter that sustained some uh, pretty serious damage during the recent windstorm uh, that we have. But uh, you can find WKXL online all the time at nhtalkradio.com or at 1450 AM or 101.9 FM. So we'll try to get that 103.9 signal back on the air ASAP. Kale and Company presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Northeast Delta Dental has individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. You can learn more and find your plan at anydelta.com or deltadentalcoversme.com. Which reminds me that uh, tomorrow it'll be the uh, Friday Fun Bunch with uh, the president and CEO of Northeast Delta Dental, Tom Raffio in studio, along with our resident flick chick, Kitty Ray, to... uh, talk about any of the films that she might have seen uh, lately and other stuff as well. Always a good time on uh, Friday with the Friday Fun Bunch. Uh, Kat, can, can I ask you a question? Let's do it. That has really piqued my curiosity. Oh, no. And I was, I was piqued by it today as I was uh, driving here to the studio. And, and as I, you know, get to the studio, I see the youngsters uh, walking to Concord High School. Yes. And and I see every day more and more young girls uh, wearing these ripped, torn, and tattered jeans. I know it's been going on for a long time, but I just had to ask somebody, somebody youthful like yourself. I know <laughs> I know you're not of high school age, but no. you know you're a little bit more contemporary than than I am for sure. So what is up with these ripped, torn, and and tattered? It, jeans that, uh, and especially young women, seem to be so enamored with. It's actually really funny because I also own a couple pairs. Yeah. Um, it's very 2000s. I feel like 2000s style is coming back. Yeah. It's really funny to watch. But yes, I do agree. I've seen a lot of young ladies wearing the ripped jeans look, the grunge look. I, I, I just saw like a, a parade of them uh, <laughs> like going uh, into, into the high school today. I, I really did. And, That's too funny. Uh, and not that the, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just wondering about the, the, the fascination and, and, and why people would opt to wear jeans that are tattered rather than jeans that are totally intact. <laughs> I don't. I don't get it. I, I think mean, you're thinking too much about it. I, it's I a statement. It's a statement. It's, it's a statement. It's rebellious. Oh, okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I guess. I guess. Now, do they cost the same or oh, more yeah. or more? Honestly, probably less. Less. <laughs> to be honest, I really? mean, there's less fabric on the uh, the jean there. So. Yeah, but don't you have to have a, a whole pair of jeans before you can cut them up? <laughs> I mean, That's I, true. I, I don't know how, how they how they do it. But I don't it just, know either. It's just a curiosity, and I'm not I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. It's just curious as as to why people like if I had a, a tear and you know a regular pair of pants that I had, I I wouldn't wear them out. 
You know, I, I wouldn't. Uh, no, it's two thousands. It's definitely the two thousands coming back, 2000s. which I'm totally so, for. So this was a big fad early in the two thousands. Oh yeah, yeah. sand sandblasted jeans, frosted jeans, yeah. ripped jeans. Yeah. It was a thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> for women, but it's back. It's back. Yes, it is and back in a, in in abundance. You see it, it all the time, no matter what the weather is. I mean, today, you know, kind of a chilly day. Uh, the snow, a little little bit of snow fell overnight, not much, just a dusting in some mm-hmm. places. Uh, but it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. I feel I like I feel like ripped jeans for women are the equivalent of men wearing khakis in the winter. Okay. It's definitely a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> it's a thing. Now, you're not supposed to wear khakis in the winter? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's cold, you know, to each yeah. their own. Yeah. But uh, yeah. it's a very New England thing. So yeah. <laughs> don't Just don't wear white shoes in the winter, that's all. Yeah, that's true. I, I, they, they used to say uh, never wear, like, white shoes after Labor Day. Really? Well, that's what they used to say, but that was huh. back. That was back a long time ago. I think today, almost any, my time. Any, anything goes, right? That's anything. That's goes. a great musical, by the way. And it is a great musical. I did that musical. It is, and I did see it actually on Broadway. Oh, so good! And I'm trying to think. A big star was in it. A great dancer. Why can't I think of her name? But uh, also in the show, in, the, in uh, you know, not a starring role, but in a role in the production of Anything Goes, I saw Joel Gray was in it. Oh, really? Yeah. That's Sutton amazing. Foster. Sutton Foster. Oh, Sutton Foster. Sutton Foster, yes. Okay, that's so funny because a friend of mine, uh, her name is Monica, Monica Rickett. So if she's listening from L.A., hello. Probably not. It's very early over there. But um, she is a performer. She's a music theater performer. And she had the opportunity to perform with Sutton Foster and Sierra Boggess uh-huh. and a bunch of other really incredible um, you know, music theater stars, essentially, yeah. at the Hollywood Bowl in Into the Woods. Wow. Yeah. And some of the, I mean, oh my gosh, I got all the behind the scenes. Oh, tea yeah. Oh, yeah. Then, oh. Um, but it was so fun. It can, was. Can, it, can you dish any dirt? I won't dish it. I'll let oh. Monica dish it. Maybe we'll have her on the show oh, sometime. That'd be great. Yeah. That'd be she, great. she has an incredible life story with her performing. She also was in uh, Japan for quite some time at Disney uh-huh. um, being a character performer. So she has a lot of. Uh, Really, really fun stories. Now, when you say being a character performer, you mean like uh, being like Mickey Mouse or uh, Minnie Mouse? Or no, she was a princess. So oh, a she princess. did. Uh, yeah, she did a lot of performing on stage as Snow White. Yeah, and she'd walk around being Cinderella as uh. well around, um, you know, the theme park and and stuff like that. So, yeah, she's amazing. Wow. Yeah, would love to have her on sometime. I know. I know the time difference is is quite substantial, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but she's it's, an early riser, so maybe not. But now now where is she? She is in West Hollywood. Oh, West Hollywood. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, West Hollywood. Okay, yeah. so they're three hours difference. So, yep. uh, at any rate, maybe one of these days we can record something. Absolutely, uh, that would be great I'm to sure hear about have fun. those experiences at Disney and with Sutton Foster and other performers. That'd be great. Be great. All good things. Yeah, and uh, even talk about torn and tattered jeans. Perhaps <laughs> she owns them too. Okay, she, she we does. all own well, them. I know. I mean, I'm, I'm sure everyone of a certain age has has some of them. I mean, it's it's uh, it's just a fashion statement, I guess, right? I shouldn't. It is. Didn't think. Shouldn't think too deeply about yeah, it. Yeah, you're thinking way too. Yeah, way I too just I'm just curious about it. That's all. Why <laughs> someone would choose to wear 
jeans that are torn and tattered rather than ones that are I, kind of intact. I am deceased. That's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's <laughs> See, so funny. That shows you how old I am. That's, no. That's, that's a reflection of how elderly I am. You're allowed to ask questions. Are you an Aquarius? I, do you know what your sign is? I do. You know something? Now, here's the thing, because my sign, believe it or not, has been in dispute oh. for probably as long as I live, but I, I wasn't thinking about it then, of course, but... But, uh, you know, in, in recent years, I was born at a, I thought I was born later than I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, uh, I, and I was actually born 11.23 p.m. What? On February 18th, which is right on the cusp of Aquarius and Pisces. Really? Yeah. And someone, I, a number of years ago... Had my, you know, my date checked and what have you, but I misinformed them because I thought I was born at like 11.50 p.m. rather than 11.23. I saw my birth certificate a couple of years ago. Said eleven twenty three, and I said, "Oh my goodness!" PM? Uh, PM, PM, PM. Where were you born? In Salem, Massachusetts. Oh my gosh, that's right. Salem. Okay, Mass. when yes. we go to break soon, we're yeah. gonna have to chat about this because I'm gonna pull up your birth chart. Okay. I'm curious. All right, this needs to happen. Okay. <laughs> All right, because I don't know. I'm right on the. You know, when I read the horoscopes in the paper, mm-hmm. I read them both. <laughs> but but I the funny it. part of it is, when I do read them, for the most part. Pisces seems to apply more than Aquarius. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. A lot but of the times, too, but, they say that you should be reading your horoscope sign based off of your moon. Okay. Um, like, an, I'm an Aries sun, yeah. but my moon is in Libra. Ah. And I do resonate better with my moon sign horoscopes ah. than my sun sign. Because your moon, your moon, to go down a... a tangent for just like 30 seconds before we go to commercial yeah your moon sign represents your emotional side so who you are to your core your sun sign represents your personality how people see you and your rising is like your deepest darkest secrets like who uh, you are that you don't share with people oh, okay. yeah so that's a lot there's a lot to unpack there Jeez, but i guess so yeah I, we're I gonna find so. out but i i will give you uh, I'll give you uh, off the air the, yes. y- the year. <laughs> I was going to say the I'll, year. I'll I, I don't care. I really don't care. People know I'm old. <laughs> oh, you're not. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you are not. I feel old. I feel old. I turned 30 in April last year. And, yeah. Oh man, I you're, can't believe how fast the time went. 30. 30. Wow, 30. I know. No, you're still young. You're yeah. still I, young. I feel great, so that's a good thing. You are you are younger than both of my daughters, so there you go. Oh. <laughs> well, great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we will take a break and delve into what my sign really is, folks. I might find out today myself where my moon is. Is it in the seventh house when know. Jupiter aligns with Mars? <laughs> <laughs> and peace will be in the planet. I'm, I'm quoting Aquarius there by the fifth dimension. Uh, We'll take a break, and uh, we'll be back, we think, right here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. We are powered by Northeast Delta Dental. Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. Presented by Northeast Delta Dental. 
And our topic was a hot one in the first segment today. We were talking about why, especially uh, younger women, uh, wear these uh, torn and tattered and ripped jeans. And then Kat asked me if I was Aquarius. And first of all, why did you ask me if I, if I was Aquarius? Aquariuses yeah. are very known to be deep thinkers. They overanalyze everything. They research things. They are just a wealth of knowledge. And that's what made me think that you were an Aquarius. Uh, so maybe you have Aquarius placements in other places. I'm still pulling it up right now. Still so pulling up, she's pulling up exactly what I am because it's been in question for quite some time. We're going to find out because, today. Because of the time I was born, which was very late at night, on the cusp I mean, the last day of Aquarius, I know, is February 18th, which is my birthday. And the next day, Pisces starts. Uh, so because of the time I... Oh, Ken. Yeah. yeah, you are an Aquarius. I am. You are. Okay. Okay, so that's, that's why I thought, okay, that's hilarious. Okay, I was right. That's awesome. Uh, your moon is Virgo. Okay. Your Mercury is Pisces. So we'll talk about that later. Um, let's see. Your Pluto's in Leo. My my Pluto? Your Pluto. My Pluto. I didn't yeah. even know there was a Pluto. There uh, is. Okay, it, I've got to find all this out. Oh. This is great. What's your rising? What's that? I'm going to find out your rising sign. My Hang rising on. sign. Give me a second. Okay, my rising sign. I'm I'm not exactly sure what it means, but uh, we'll we'll find out. We'll find out together, folks, right here on Kalen Company as you Get to hear this behind-the-scenes knowledge of my my zodiac sign, <laughs> but <laughs> really it's a lot. It's a, it's a lot more complicated though than just uh, you know you find out you're an Aquarius or a Pisces or a Virgo, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 more complicated than that, isn't it? There's it's yeah yeah it's very in depth very in depth very, very in depth. <laughs> so so now I don't have have to read the Pisces anymore. Uh, I would read the Virgo. Come on. I would read the Virgo. Yeah, because that's your moon sign. Moon sign. So that's your that means you're very grounded. So oh, who okay. you are to your core day-to-day life from home, you're a very grounded individual. Very you like food. Grounded. You like organization. Like food. You like things being orderly and knowing things ahead of time. Yeah, it's it's a thing. All right. So I I should read Virgo. Forget you Aquarius, forget Pisces. Read Virgo. Yeah, I okay. would read Virgo and okay. then just see see how it works for you interesting very interesting I, and uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll do that henceforth <laughs> just just read virgo forget about the other ones yes i'm yeah. still i'm still looking up things up so hang yeah. tight for now uh, all right very good very good well i will tell folks that uh, last night in high school hockey concord improved to 7-0 and 0 on the year with a 5-1 victory over the bow falcons at the uh, ever arena uh, brooks craig dawson fancher Carter Doherty, Trevor Craig, and Rowan Arndt all scored for the uh, Crimson Tide. Uh, Dominic Jerkins had the lone goal for bowl. Crimson Tide, they are going to host uh, Bishop Girton, the Cardinals of Bishop Girton, Saturday night at uh, 7.30 at the Everett Arena in Concord. A battle of the top two teams in uh, Division I. As I mentioned, Concord 7-0-0 on the year. And Bishop Girton defeated Bedford last night 4-2 to two, to go to 6-0-0 on the season. So big game, Saturday night, 7-30 at the Everett Arena. Place should be packed. The joint will be jumping, and it'll be a fun uh, hockey game to watch 
on Saturday night at the uh, Everett Arena. Of course, anytime you can't watch a Concord High hockey game, you can uh, you can view it at home or wherever you might be on the Concord High School uh, Boys Facebook page. Celtics last night, they down the uh, New Orleans Pelicans at the Garden, 125-114. to 114. Big night for Jalen Brown. He had 41 points and 12 rebounds. Jason Tatum added 31 points and 10 rebounds. Celtics now an NBA best, 30-12 and 12 on the season. Uh, tonight, the Celtics will hit the road to take on Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and the rest of the 27-13 and 13 Nets in Brooklyn. Uh, NHL tonight. The Bruins will be hosting the Seattle Kraken at TD Garden. Bruins, by the way, have the best record in the NHL. Their record, the Bruins' record, is truly remarkable. Bruins, 32-4-4. Four, four. It is. It's a remarkable record. Their best start ever. 32-4-4, four four, the Kraken, 24-12. Uh, and four on on the year. So uh, there you have it. A little sports update for you on this uh, Thursday morning. Don't forget tomorrow, Friday, the Friday Fun Bunch. And coming up uh, at around 8.35 this morning here on Kale & Company, we will be chatting with a gentleman by the name of Aaron Ahuvia. Aaron Ahuvia is an author, and he has just written a book called the things we love, not the people we love, not necessarily the places we love, but the things we love. Anything ranging from you know, books, uh, baseball cards, uh, ceramic figurines, uh, clothing, iPhones, <laughs> truly, cars, even nature, uh, even nature itself. Why do we love these things? What does it tell us about ourselves by the things that, uh, that we love? So anyway, we'll uh, be talking with Aaron Ahuvia coming up at uh, 8.35 here on uh, Kale & Company. And a reminder that if you uh, miss any portion of uh, this program or would like to hear it again, it'll be run at uh, after 7 o'clock tonight here on WKXL, 1450 on the AM dial, and also 1019 FM in Manchester and beyond. Great signal in that area. And streaming around the clock at nhtalkradio.com. News just in. This is just breaking now. Kevin Harvick, the outstanding NASCAR driver, says 2023 will be his final NASCAR season. 2014 champion is tied for ninth on the all-time wins list with, I'll let you guess, how many win, wins does Kevin Harvick have on the circuit? 60. 60 wins for Kevin Harvick. So there you go. This is going to be his last year. So uh, he's had a tremendous career, and I'm sure his next stop will probably be, here's my guess, the broadcast booth. He'll do some racing analysis after his career is over. From the Associated Press, 
President uh, Joe Biden's legal team has discovered additional documents containing classification markings in a second location. A person familiar with the matter told the Associated Press on Wednesday the revelation comes days after an attorney for the president said Biden's lawyers had discovered a, quote here, small number of classified documents at his former office space in Washington. Earlier this week, the White House confirmed that the Department of Justice was reviewing a small number of documents with classified markings found at the office. Biden's attorneys had discovered the documents at the offices of the Penn-Biden Center and then immediately called the National Archives about the discovery, the White House said. Biden kept an office there after he left the vice presidency in 2017 until shortly before he launched his Democratic presidential campaign in 2019. Now, the person who spoke to the Associated Press Wednesday said the president's legal team found additional classified material at a second location. The person was not authorized to publicly discuss details of the sensitive matter and spoke on the condition of anonymity. The person did not say when or where the material was found or specific details about the level of classifications of the document. Or the documents, I should say. So we have to take a break soon. Yes. But I just want to let you know, yes. you're a Scorpio rising, yeah, Scorpio, which is what I am. I'm also a Scorpio rising. Scorpio rising. And you're part of fortune, which represents what you'd be famous for, or yeah. what you're doing now is an Aries, which I find really interesting because that's my sun sign. Wow. So you're wow. very ambitious, meant to be an entrepreneur, public figure. <laughs> um, and your Scorpio rising is very commanding in a room. So like if you go to a restaurant, you go somewhere, people know you. They know who you are or they feel drawn to you. Oh, boy. So, wow. I don't know. I'm just saying. This no, is really just, interesting. Just saying. All I'm going right. to send this to you. All right. I, I would appreciate that, Kat. Thank you so much to, for delving into it. I, wow. I go down dark rabbit holes with astrology. It's so, great. So should I still stick with reading my, my Virgo horoscope? I would go with all three and see which one resonates most. Virgo? So it would be Aquarius. Pisces, sun, Aquarius. Um, Virgo moon and Scorpio rising. All right. All right. Well, I'm, I'm learning more about myself than I ever knew <laughs> here this morning on Carol and Company. That's what it's all about, folks, isn't it? Discovery. You always want to find out different things about, uh, you know, whether it be yourself or a loved one or even someone you don't know, a celebrity of some kind. Uh, you want to know more about that person. And we're going to find out from uh, Aaron Ahuvia why we're so attracted to things in our society. Not necessarily people, but things that you possess. Or that possess you. Like ripped pants. Like ripped pants, torn jeans. I don't get it, but it's good. It's fine. It's a fashion statement. Uh, And, uh, you know, I I just see them all the time. Girls walking to Concord High School in these torn, ripped... We we couldn't even wear jeans to high school. Well, that's a different... It was a different era. We'll take a break. Kale & Company continues... Right here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. Stay with us. Don't go away. 
Welcome back, Dale and Company Live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. We are streaming around the clock, nhtalkradio.com, 1450 AM, 1039 FM in the Capital Region, 1019 FM in Manchester and beyond. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. And if you're like most people at some point in your life, uh, you found yourself indulging in a love affair with something that brings you immense joy, comfort, or fulfillment. But have you ever wondered how our love of things compares to our love of people? Why do we love certain things and not others? Books, baseball cards, ceramic figurines, iPhones, art, clothing, cars, and even uh, even nature itself. So what do the things we love tell us about ourselves and our society? In the book, The Things We Love, the world's leading authority on brand love, Dr. Aaron Ahuvia answers all of these questions, and it just so happens that Dr. Ahuvia is with us right now. Good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it is uh, my pleasure. Where are we uh, reaching you this morning? Where are you? Ann Arbor, Michigan. And where's where's that? Ann Arbor, Ann Michigan. Ann Arbor, I'm Michigan. With- oh, my goodness. Ann Arbor, Michigan. All right. Very good. Well, at least we're in the same time zone. Uh, Fantastic. How, what, uh, you know, can material things actually make us happy? Well, it depends on what you mean by material thing. If you mean, like, just any old physical, any object, um, there's nothing wrong with something being a physical object. Physical objects are great. You can do a lot of stuff with them. And they often can help make us happy if they connect to the things that really do make us happy. So one of the things that we know has a huge positive impact in people's lives are their relationships with other people and the strength of those relationships. And much of the time when people love a, a physical object of some kind, when you get to the root of it, um, it's because it actually helps them have better social relationships or reminds them of their social relationships. So there's this nice phrase for that. Um, it, when you start talking with someone about, you know, some object, let's say it's their cell phone, you start talking to them about their cell phone, it sounds like it's a relationship between them and the cell phone, so mm-hmm. it's person to thing. But it always turns out when you talk more that it's person, thing, person. So it's themselves, the cell phone, the people they text on the cell phone, or the other people they connect with on the cell phone. So that's just one way. There's lots of ways, but ways that objects really help us in our social relationships. And so if it's doing that, then yes. Now we can talk about, there's a lot of cases where material things don't make you happy, and we can talk about those too. Are people generally drawn to one another that like most or some of the same things anyway? Absolutely. Uh, people find, you know, when you have something in common, it's certainly a lot easier to talk. And I know, for example, a lot of guys, I'm not a big sports fan. I follow football a little bit, but I'm not a big sports fan. And sports is sort of the lingua franca of men. So, you know, I've noticed that sometimes it's hard for you to participate in conversations because that's the, the standard thing that a lot of men talk about. So having something in common definitely helps you connect with other people. Um, I've done research on dating in the past, 
I think that oftentimes when people date, they put too much emphasis on having shared interests with the other person uh, and not enough focus on having shared values and shared goals. So it's really um, what kind of a family you want to have, um, your values about money, earning it and spending it, um, your sometimes your political or religious values. These are the kinds of things that really make people at a romantic level really compatible, not so much that you both share a single hobby, um, but having a hobby in common can help you connect initially in the relationship. You're in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and you're not a big football fan, huh? <laughs> oh, I, I follow the Wolverines. Yeah, okay, okay. And, of course, we, we have a, a particular love for a former uh, Wolverine uh, in this area, and that would be uh, Tom Brady, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, um, I was a, a Patriots fan um, among you know, one, of, sort of a, one of my favorite pro teams because of the Tom Brady connection. Yeah, and uh, hey, hey, Tom. Tom Brady is is a is a person that uh, most people like. I mean, uh, unless you hate the Patriots, but uh, he and and and, and, and one of one of the uh, most marketable people out there, wouldn't you say? Absolutely, and it's a, another great example. Sports is a great example of how the, you know things we love are really ways of connecting with other people. So, of course, sports fans. As I was mentioning earlier, they you know they love sports, but it's really very much a way of connecting to other people that they watch the games with and talk about with, and it becomes a whole social network. But they also connect with the players um, or the coaches. It's interesting because when you think about the stereotype of you know male versus female conversation, the stereotype is, and some research supports this, that men will talk you know more about things. And women will talk more about people. Just that's just sort of from the evidence of, of what conversation you know they talk about in their social conversations. But if you listen to sports talk, it's really all about people. It's all about the different players on the teams, the coaches on the teams, who's doing what. Um, and so people really connect to the team because they connect to the players on the team. And so it looks at first like it's a relationship with some abstract thing, this team or this brand. But when you dig deeper, you find out it's actually a connection to other human beings that happen to play on that. Our guest is Aaron Ahuvia, and he is the author of The Things We Love, How Our Passions Connect Us and Make Us Who We Are, and uh, How Do Companies Go About Building Brand Love? Well, there's a number of different steps. The first step is you've got to have a really good product or service. Um, one of the differences between brand love and interpersonal love, and they find this in uh, studies where they use fMRIs to scan people's brains when the people are thinking about brands they love and also when they're thinking about different people they love, is that there is some judgment that goes on with people, too. Certainly when you're dating, you judge the person, like, is this a good person for me to be with? Do I think this person is attractive, et cetera? There's much more judging that goes on with brands and products, uh, certainly much more than in a family. So the first thing you have to do is pass the, like, quality test. People are going to be judging you. However, you kind of knew that. If you own a business or you're selling a product, you already knew that people evaluate the quality. That isn't 
That isn't new news to you. What's interesting is that that's the first step, but the, there's other things that also need to happen. And so that, the next part is that people need to form a deep emotional connection with the product. And people don't form deep emotional connections with objects themselves very easily. So as we've been talking about here a little bit, the best way to do that is have them form a connection with a person that represents the product. So if you're a small business person, let's say you're an entrepreneur um, or you're a consultant or you've got some sort of a small business going out there, people's loyalty to your business is going to be very much about their connection with you as a human being. And you probably already knew that that was important, but I'm here to tell you it's even more important than you thought it was, no matter how important you thought it was. But that's where a lot of their loyalty to the business is going to come from. Mm. So when uh, people see, you know, a celebrity like Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or LeBron James endorse something, if, if you like that athlete or personality, you're more likely to, uh, to perhaps uh, try or uh, uh, like that product that they're endorsing. Absolutely, yes. And that happens at a completely non-conscious level. Uh, if you think about any group of sort of three things, so you've got yourself, some product, and an endorser, a celebrity. If you like the celebrity, um, it's, it's easier in your brain to also like the product. If you like the celebrity and the celebrity likes the product and you don't like the product, that causes this unconscious mental tension. And your brain will try to resolve that tension by having you either like the product more or maybe like the celebrity less. Either one will work. But normally it's easier to like the product more than it is to like the celebrity less. So that's the direction <laughs> that things go with, with that. Well, we have to take a quick break. Can you stay with us for a few more minutes? Sure. My pleasure. Uh, Dr. Aaron Ahuvia is with us, the author of The Things We Love, How Our Passions Connect Us and Make Us Who We Are. And uh, we'll have more with Dr. Ahuvia right after these words. Kale & Company continues on WKXL and NHtalkradio.com. Kale & Company live here on WKXL, NHtalkradio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Our guest is Dr. Aaron Ahuvia, author of The Things We Love, How Our Passions Connect Us and What and Make Us Who We Are. And uh, he is joining us today from a beautiful Ann Arbor, Michigan. And uh, Dr. Ahuvia, uh, what are some of the most loved brands out there? Number one would be Apple. Uh, Apple actually... Doesn't, this isn't an accident. Uh, Apple has very intentionally understood what brand love is, how it works, and has worked to create brand love. And people do love their Apple devices. And you can see this in a lot of things. Um, one of them is the way that they identify. People don't just say, I own an Apple phone. Many people don't. They'll say, I'm an Apple person. So they've taken this brand and made it part of their identity, part of their sense of who they are. And that is a really central part of loving something or someone. Whenever you love a person or a thing, you make them part of your identity. And you can see that because if they do something good, you feel proud of them. And if they do something bad, you feel a little bit embarrassed because it's as if you yourself were doing this thing. So Apple is right up there. Um, 
Google also is a very loved brand uh, in the United States. Amazon is high. Nike is very high. Uh, Lululemon is up there with certain segments of the population. So usually there are products that are used publicly uh, so other people can see you using them because part, a big part of love is making something part of your identity. And if a product is used publicly, other people can see you using it, uh, it becomes more a part of your identity. So how does Apple and, and Nike and Google, how did they go about building their brands and the, and the love that people have for them as some of the most uh, loved brands that we have? There's a number of things that are, that are going on. It's a pretty complicated picture. Um, as I said before, it starts with some sort of you know an excellent product, but it doesn't by any means end there. Having an excellent product does not guarantee you that people will love uh, your brand. Sometimes it involves pointing out to consumers and fostering these sort of connections to other people. So Nike has done this with their celebrity endorsers, where they take uh, celebrities athletes that people really admire and they connect those to the brand so a big part of falling in love with a brand is being proud feeling proud to own that brand feeling that it represents something that you really believe in and so for nike that was kind of excellence and achievement uh and they were able to connect the brand to that and so when people want to create their own identity as someone who values excellence and achievement Buying Nike and loving Nike becomes a a way to do that for them. There's other brands that do that in a somewhat different way. So Patagonia um, is a brand that, you know, it isn't a huge brand, but a lot of people who who love Patagonia really love it. It's got sort of an ardent following. And Patagonia does this. You're proud of Patagonia in part because the products are really good, but also because for people who love it, it's very strong in taking certain environmental stance, um, really, really strong in that way. And so it represents their value. And one of the reasons that some brands get consumer love is that the brand stands up and, and does something the consumer is proud of in a way that represents their values, what they think is important in the world that goes beyond just having a nice product. And some of the products are, are, you know, what we would consider at least mundane, perhaps. I I saw where one study on consumers found that 17% of those responding profess to love, I mean really love, their laundry detergent. Amazing. It's an amazing (laughs) uh, statistic. I have a strong hunch. I didn't author that study, but I have a very strong suspicion that what's going on there is that in their mind, those people are connecting their laundry detergent with their family. Maybe their mom who used the same kind of laundry detergent when they were growing up. Or maybe they're using it, but they are the, the parent and they're using it to wash their kids' clothes or other people's clothing. And so what's really happening is the whole person thing person. Nobody loves their laundry detergent just because it's a laundry detergent. I mean, it's just not important enough in your life <laughs> to do that. But if you in your mind, connect the laundry detergent to other people that you're helping them using this product, then some of the love for the other people kind of gets bound up in the laundry detergent. I I use a metaphor. It's like the light of the moon, right? The light of the moon can be bright and the moon can be beautiful, but it's all really reflected light from the sun. 
And in the same way, your love for the laundry detergent is really reflected love from some person that you in your mind are connecting that laundry detergent to. And uh, I see that uh, studies have also shown when people need to get rid of something that they really feel uh, emotionally attached to, they're more likely to recycle that product rather than just throw it in the trash. When people love something, their brain at a non-conscious level is thinking about that object the way the brain thinks about people. So the human brain thinks about objects and people in very different ways. And a lot of that isn't just cultural. It's actually hardwired into the way your brain functions. Love is part of the way we think about people. It's not part of the way we normally think about objects. Now, we do love objects, but we do it because we are taking the part of the the systems in the brain that normally apply to people and we're applying it to this object. Well, if you're thinking about an object sort of as if it was human, as if it was sort of an honorary human being, um. When it, quote, dies, you've got this choice. You can just, like, throw it away, which seems very disrespectful. Or you can have it reincarnated into something else, which seems much more attractive and much more sort of generous to this thing. So I think of people recycling things they love as sort of opting for reincarnation versus taking this, you know, honorary human being and throwing them on the trash heap, which just doesn't seem appropriate for something you love. So before we have to wrap things up, what are some of the things that you love? Oh, me. I'm, uh, I love music a lot, and my stereo is connected to that. So uh, my stereo would be sort of an object that I love. Similarly, I'm very big on mountain biking, and I love my mountain bikes that go along with that. Um, I love connecting to friends and family over dinner parties. That's really big for me, and so... A lot of the things I love are kitchen equipment or different types of foods or wines that are very pleasurable in their own right, but also have this sort of social connection that connects me to the people that I share them with. Are you attracted to certain brands? Yeah, I am. Uh, My stereo is uh, NAD Electronics and Focal is the the speakers. Uh, I, I ride a Trek mostly bicycles. So there are brands there that are appealing to me, sure. It's always tough to come up with uh, great gifts for the, the people in your life, even people you are very close to. What, what are some of the do's and don'ts of uh, gift giving? Uh, the best gifts show and strengthen a connection between the person giving the gift and the person receiving the gift. So I actually did a little informal survey, um, asked a whole bunch of people about the very best gifts they've ever received, the ones they've loved. You know, the things that came back were really interesting. They were frequently things like, my father gave me a hat that he wore for many years that I always told him that I really admired, liked that hat, and he loved that hat. And when he gave me the hat, it showed a real connection between him and me. I felt like he was giving, trusting me with this thing that he really loved. Now, I'm not suggesting for holidays or birthdays you give people a used item of clothing necessarily, (laughs) but the spirit of that is something that really connects the two people. So maybe if there's some activity that the two of you do together, some sort of a gift that's related to that activity is a nice way of strengthening that connection. Another thing you can do that isn't really part of the gift itself, but makes, makes any gift much nicer, 
is to use the gift as a way of connecting with the person. So, for example, if you're giving a gift to a child, don't just give them a game. Give them the game and then sit down with them for an hour and play the game with them. They will love the game so much more because what they really want is your attention. Similarly, if you give somebody, say, a scrapbook, um, sit down with them and fill in a page or two of the scrapbook together. So use the items as a way of connecting with people, and that's what will make them really special. That is excellent advice. It, it really and truly is. And uh, the book is The Things We Love, How Our Passions Connect Us and Make Us Who We Are. Aaron Ahuvia, our guest, and uh, thanks so much for spending some time with us this morning. Really appreciate it. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity to, to speak with you and your listeners. All right. Well, thanks so much, and uh, looking forward to reading the book. And uh, have a great day, and go Wolverines. <laughs> yes, yeah. <sir. laughs> I, I think they would have given Georgia a better battle than TCU. I really do. But <laughs> yeah, I think TCU had a little bit of a, of a, of a letdown there in, in, in the game. Yeah. Um, and, you know, but that's football, I'll tell you. When you lose a football game, if you're a fan, you're not disappointed. You are heartbroken. It's something that comes with love. And uh, so the pleasure of winning can be great, but, boy, the pain of losing is horrible. That it is. Dr. Ahuvia, thanks so much. We appreciate it. Have a great day. Thanks. Bye-bye. And I want to remind you that uh, tonight at uh, 7 o'clock in Concord at the Kimball Jenkins Carriage House at 266 North Main Street, something we uh, talked about yesterday on the show. It's Concord and the History of Hockey to be moderated by uh, Jim Hayes, who was in here yesterday, director of uh, New Hampshire Legends of Hockey, moderating a panel of Concord hockey legends, including George Chase, Bob Norton, Dunk Walsh, and Ken McKinnon. It's going to be a great night. If you like hockey or if you know someone that does, uh, tell them about it. Uh, It's also going to be streamed live at ConcordHistoricalSociety.org. ConcordHistoricalSociety.org. 7 o'clock tonight, and no reservations are necessary. Just show up at the uh, Kimball Jenkins Carriage House at 266 North Main Street in Concord. Thanks for listening today. We hope you tune in tomorrow for the Friday Fun Bunch. Have a great Thursday, everybody. Kale and Company presented by Northeast Delta Dental.